Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of Extra Time, a web-only programme from Radio New Zealand Sport. I'm Stephen Hewson. In the programme this week, it's finals time in the National Rugby League competition and the Warriors are there, Albert, in the junior final. The Bulldogs CEO and former head of Netball New Zealand, Raylene Castle, shares her thoughts on being part of the final build-up and her time with the club so far. Where to now for the Silver Ferns in the wake of yet another loss to Australia? And the former Wallabies coach Robbie Dean still wants to coach the All Blacks. Ben Sigmund calls time on his All Whites career. Well, Chetan Patel still wants to be in the Black Caps after being named English County Cricket's most valuable player. Twelve years after leading the Warriors to an NRL Grand Final at halfback, Stacey Jones will again be involved in Rugby League's biggest day, this time as a coach. Jones's junior Warriors side have produced a remarkable playoff run, coming from eighth to set up a grand final with the Brisbane Broncos on Sunday. Alex Coogan-Reeves reports. Marsh combining with Jones after CU2, you gave them an opportunity. Here's Jones in his face. Jones is inside the 10. Jones scores. New Zealand are level. New Zealand are level. Stacey Jones knows firsthand the pain involved in losing a grand final. After scoring a sensational try early in the second half of the 2002 NRL decider against the Roosters, he was forced to watch an opportunity slip by as Sydney ran away to take the title. Now, in his first year as coach, he's trying to make sure his players don't have a similar feeling come Sunday afternoon. The under-20 side were also beaten grand finalists last year, and Jones says the message to his players this week has been simple. Enjoy the moment, but... We've still got a job to do, and and that's why I said, you know, there's half a dozen boys that played in last year's grand final that have got that losing feeling that you yeah, sometimes it's better off not even turning up when you lose, you know, um, because it's it's horrible, and you know you rely on these players to say, like I said, it's a sometimes it's once in a lifetime. The junior warriors have had an incredible record since the inception of the national youth competition in 2008 making four grand finals in the last five years. So it would be easy to underrate Jones's influence on his side's success. However, the club's general manager of football, Dean Bell, says this year's grand final run has been the most impressive, with many of the club's top under-20 players being pushed up to play in the reserve grade as part of a new development policy. He says his former teammate has shown he has what it takes to eventually become just as successful as a coach as he was as a player. He's just got to do his time. I think that's the big thing. You know, it's um, you know, sometimes you know we, we expect great players from from the past just to sort of walk into coaching. It's not as easy as that. And the best way you can do it is really to just do your apprenticeship. And um, he's certainly started at the right level now. Um, you know, he's come from you know Point Chev into the under twenties, and you know, I mean, obviously the next step for him would be New South Wales Cup, and then. You know, he's just got to bite his time. I mean, it does take a long time to develop into a head coach because, I mean, especially these days, I mean, the pressure on that job is, is immense. 
Dean Bell says more than half the Warriors' first grade side has now come through the under-20 system and expects many from this team to also make an impact at the top level. One such player is the current captain, Sam Lassoni, who will bring up his 50th NYC appearance in the grand final and is hoping for better memories after last year's disappointment. This club's done a lot for me and um, to play my 50th NYC game is going to be um, really massive for me. Um, it's going to be a bit more emotional, but um, I'd love to go out with a bang and, and I'd like to send the boys that are turning 20 off with a, with a bang too. Sam Lassoni will lead his side out onto the Sydney Olympic Stadium at 4 o'clock on Sunday afternoon before the NRL Grand Final between the South Sydney Rabbitohs and the Canterbury Bulldogs. And as Alex mentioned there, the Grand Final features the Canterbury Bulldogs against South Sydney. It's 10 years since the Bulldogs last won the final, while it's 43 years since the Rabbitohs were successful. New Zealander and former CEO at Netball New Zealand, Raylene Castle, has been head of the Canterbury Club for the past 15 months. Amidst the busy finals week, I asked her whether she now feels part of the furniture at the Canterbury Bankstown Club or whether it's a case of still having to prove herself. We've got past that now. I think the first six months is the time that's really difficult where you feel like you're drinking out of a fire hydrant and everything's coming at you from all different directions. But, you know, after that six-month period and then into the following six months, you start to work out who the key people are and, and who the key relationships are and, and, you know, you can answer most of the questions. It makes a huge difference. So... 15 months in, I'm um, really enjoying it and uh, yeah, I think it's um, coming together really nicely. I suppose the key people have also then worked you out too. Well, well that's exactly right. It's a two-way street and it doesn't. it isn't just about you, it's about them building some trust with you and working out what your style is like and you know what's um, a key emphasis areas for you. So now that the staff are all done that and we've, we've sort of settled down, it's, uh, we're all working together really well as a team. Going in, did the challenges that you expected turn out to be the biggest challenges? I think so, although I think probably the one that's sort of hard to understand and get a real feeling for until you're actually in the seat is the media focus. Uh, the culmination of the white-hot focus that is the NRL and the Sydney environment combined with the strong brand that is the Bulldogs means that you have a consistent media focus uh, you know, there's a hundred journalists looking for um, uh, information to fill their newspapers or their radio shows or their um, television shows um, on a weekly basis. So that means that it's a huge emphasis, it's a huge focus, uh, and uh, that's really the thing that I've found um, much more consuming than I expected it to be. What were some of the other challenges you expected? Oh, I think it's building the relationships. I mean, Des has been around for a long period of time. Um, you know, he's an experienced coach that um, has been in this game for an extended period of time. So I knew early on that I had to build a good relationship with him and work really hard to make sure that we had a, a strong working relationship, that um, he knew that I'd go to battle for him when he needed me to. Um, and equally, there's going to be times where I have to say no. And um, I think we've found that place now. We work really well together um, he's a thoroughly fascinating individual that I know is always looking to get the best out of every one of his uh, team um, and his, his coaching staff around him, um, and that's a great place for a coach to be. Forging that relationship, what what do you think has been the key to it? I think it's respect, and it doesn't come with title. It comes with time and your actions and how you handle things and how you go to battle um, for different um 
incidences and and how you uh, you know say no when you need to say no and yes when you need to say yes. So it's all of those things, and it just comes with time. It just trust doesn't happen overnight. It happens with building that relationship. And um, we have a great working relationship. We um, he's a very interesting guy. Um, certainly, the what he's like behind closed doors with his with his. Um, players and his coaching staff and the, and the staff at the Bulldogs is very different to what the public see and he's uh, he's an incredibly engaging character that uh, pushes the boundaries really hard and I wouldn't have him any other way. I've, I've read that you made the comment that uh, was more of an adjustment for the NRL to have a New Zealander in the CEO role than a woman. That surely is somewhat tongue-in-cheek? Uh, no, I don't think so. I think they mercilessly still take um, the mickey out of my accent, which is uh, which is great. Um, but I, I can't describe to you enough how uh, they have been completely welcoming. I haven't had a single person look at me sideways. Um, the rugby league community, once they worked out, I was a genuine rugby league person who had enormous respect for the game, some real history, understood it. They just accepted me um, very quickly, and then it was only a matter of working out whether I had the chief executive capabilities to do the role efficiently. So that's really been the only thing they've looked at, and, and that's exactly what they should have been focusing on. So, um, you know, rugby league is a very um, welcoming sport. It's uh, gender right across the sport is not an issue. There's there's women. Um, working um, in all sorts of levels and all sorts of roles. And while some might have been the first female chief executive, um, you look below that level and about 25% of the employees across rugby league um, are female. Although that hasn't translated into top-tier management. Yeah, and I don't think that's as much necessarily glass ceiling related as people would like to make it out. I think it's about timing and opportunity and a combination of capabilities and skills. Um, and certainly, you know, I can't speak highly enough in my experience. It's been um, outstanding, um, and you know, I can quite honestly say there's certainly no glass ceiling in rugby league. It would seem so very chalk and cheese, wouldn't it? Netball to rugby league, and I suppose how, how much has that netball experience helped you in in the NRL? Yeah, well, the answer is not as different as you might think. Um, there's no doubt the netball experience helped me enormously and I wouldn't have got the opportunity to do this job had I not been at netball. The fundamentals of running a sport or a sporting franchise are very similar. You need to have a great commercial department to raise enough money to be able to invest in your high-performance department that needs to be successful and well-led and well-organised uh, so that you can be successful on the field or on the court, as the case may be. How is the grand final experience? Is it what you expected? Is it different? Is it, I mean, all-embracing? It's all of those things. It's certainly all-encompassing because of the strangely, well, even though the NRL run the final series per se, actually the amount of organisation that needs to go into logistical management of that finals work behind the scenes is, is enormous and much greater probably than people realise. Um, you know, tickets, uh, you know, moving uh, players and families and wives and girlfriends and board directors and when you've got um, streets absolutely blocked and crowded by um, amazing screaming fans who are just having a great time. Uh, means there's police engagement and you know logistical exercises around buses and trains and transport and all of those things. So it's a much greater logistical exercise than possibly people realise. And it's about making sure that we um, take a moment to stop and smell the roses and, and smell what is the amazing grand final experience because there's a lot of teams that don't get that opportunity and uh, we need to make sure that we capture that and enjoy it. Um, but by the time we get to, you know, five past seven on uh, Sunday evening and all of that's uh, gone by the wayside and we're ready to kick off. It's going to be truly exciting. So 
what would you take? An NRL win for the Bulldogs or the Silver Ferns winning the World Champs next year? <laughs> oh, that's, that's, you can't do that to me. That's the toughest question in the world. Um, yeah, I mean, the answer is yeah, I was very fortunate in my time at Netball to win a Commonwealth Games gold medal um, with the Silver Ferns and, and be there with them in Delhi and have that experience and that. Um, you know, I, I shall never forget that. And, you know, Katrina Grant's Grant's dress um, proudly sits on my office wall at Canary Banks Town because that was just one of those sporting experiences I'll never forget. So given that, I'd have to say a Bulldogs win on Sunday. I was talking to the Chief Executive of the Canterbury Bulldogs Rugby League Club, Raylene Castle. The Silver Ferns have slumped to their sixth consecutive loss to Australia, beaten 59-42 in the opening Constellation Cup test in Invercargill. It also comes on the back of the 18-point loss in the Commonwealth Games final in Glasgow a couple of months ago. The latest losses have exposed a lack of depth in the Silver Ferns with the absence of the injured shooter Maria Tutaya having a major impact. Despite their recent poor performances, though, Silver Ferns Vice-Captain Laura Langman believes they can turn things around against the Diamonds. Thought at times um, our through court flowed beautifully um, and we had lots of options to the ball, middies were hitting circle edge and the link into the shooters was great. Where we get in trouble is when um, we're playing in a big mess and we're getting into a bit of fisticuff fight with the Australians. And um, yeah, I think when we play in open space, we turn fully, hard, fast, let the ball go. We had some good passages of play. I just think um, we need to um, keep being aggressive and attacking um, circle edge. Um, we need to continue to let the ball go because that's when we play at our strongest. Um, and that ability to take the ball, um, be contested and under pressure, and then deliver it on a good pass, um, you know, it's something that we can keep building on. So all eyes, of course, on to another test. Can things be turned around for that? Oh, absolutely. It's a still long haul from here. Uh, obviously a lot harder um, heading over to Australia, but we'll regroup, see how we get on um, with our recipe and um, go back to the drawing board. This is six tests now, isn't it? Is that starting yeah. to have any mental impact at all or, or about self-belief or anything like that? Um, hey, look, to, to be honest, for me, the biggies are at World Champs and the, it was the one at Com Games, so it doesn't really matter what happens in, um, in between. But we certainly want to start making inroads into this deficit that, we are, um, that we're currently experiencing. That's Laura Langman talking to Kim Baker-Wilson. And in a bid to improve the depth at international level, Netball New Zealand is reintroducing the New Zealand A-side, which it hopes will bridge the gap between the Trans-Tasman ANZ competition and international level. The New Zealand A-side's first match will be against England next month. The former Silver Ferns coach Yvonne Withering welcomes the move, saying it's much needed. We used to have that in the past. We also used to have a young international side. Um, but I like the idea of a New Zealand A. But it's got to be competitive. You know, it's not just, it should not be just taken on and just taken as training partners for the Silver Ferns because I think there needs to be accountability, which means we, the New Zealand public needs to see them in action as well, you know, in New Zealand, on New Zealand soil. But it's a huge gap, like even from club to provincial. And there's another huge gap from provincial then to an on-court ANZ, uh, you know, um, sort of starting lineup and then to the Silver Ferns and you have a look at it the Silver Fern squad is getting bigger and bigger and I guess being old school I'm going you know the Silver Fern needs to be earned and at the moment they're feeling that they have to increase the squad because they have to bring more players into that environment well I'd like to see less players in that environment and make them really have earned the right to wear the Silver Ferns. You mentioned there the young internationals uh, um, and 
I mean, how long ago was that? And and New Zealand Day. Yes. I mean, it's a while, yes. isn't it? Absolutely, years ago. Yep, very much so. We've had basically the reliance um, on the ANZ champs, you know, uh, leading up. And you have a look at most of the selectors. We have got selectors here at the, um, at the provincial champs, but really the selectors are so focused, are totally focused on the ANZ champs. A reason for that, obviously, is because we're playing against Australia, so we can gauge where players are at. But when you've got a situation like we have this year where a lot of the shooters were not actually eligible, you know, there's another tier that just haven't had the experience. I suppose the other issue the Silver Ferns have got is while they've got Australia and then the, uh, the series against England, they've actually only got a couple of tests next year ahead of the World Cup. Well, Mama Tamara is in a difficult position because she wants to bring back the, the, the belief and the New Zealand public and the belief that their team is worthy, um, you know, of being right up there. Uh, but it is a totally different combination that they're going to, will be using that they have had tremendous success with in the past. And, you know, that happens when we have that reliance on set players, you know, it can be really crucial. And we did that with Irene Van Dijk for a long period of time as well. It was a total reliance on her, but luckily she never got injured. I was talking to former Silver Ferns coach Yvonne Willering and the second test between the Silver Ferns and Australia is in Melbourne on Wednesday. The former Wallabies and Crusaders coach Robbie Deans has revealed that he still harbours ambitions to coach the All Blacks. Deans was overlooked for the role in 2007 in favour of Graham Henry before a tumultuous run as Australian coach that culminated in his sacking last year. He's now coach of the Panasonic Wild Knights in Japan and Deans has just released his biography. He spoke to Nines News, Catherine Ryan, who asked him if there's still a chance that he could one day coach the All Blacks. Oh, yeah, I'd embrace that opportunity if, if it came along. Um, and there's probably no surprise in that. It's the ultimate uh, coaching gig in the world. Um, and, and it's not to suggest that the incumbent coaches aren't doing a great job. They clearly are. Graham Henry ultimately uh, won the World Cup, which is what we all wanted. You know, we, that's why we lined up for those positions. Um, so clearly New Zealand got it right. If, if that was the end in mind, then uh, it, it proves to be right. And that was probably a, a point of growth for the organisation. And it was the first time they hadn't thrown out all their international, intellectual property, a big pun, um, upon failing at the World Cup because that, that had been the history after the very first effort of 87, we'd, we'd probably been routinely getting in our own way. And in the current environment, is there a, a path through for you? I don't know. Um, what I'm saying is, yes, it is something that would appeal um, if the opportunity presented itself. Uh, there's been much comment about uh, frosty relationships. It, it's nonsense. Uh, it's probably more a reflection of... Um, commentary and dialogue and the fact, fact that uh, you've got people competing for for posts. So the presumption is that there must be a frosty relationship. Well, that's, that's not the case. And it's no different from two players, both wanting to play in a position. It doesn't mean you, uh, you can't have a constructive relationship outside of that. Uh, you know, the one bloke that's mentioned often, and this is Steve Chu. Well, I've worked very successfully with Steve Chu over a long period of time. What is evident from the book, and it's the one of the aspects that people are most interested in. So let's keep let's talk about it in this context. You clearly did not feel that you got a fair shot in the application 
process, and this is the second time round. This is uh, when, as you say, if it had stuck to, to form, uh, the union would have changed its coach after the 2007 quarterfinal loss. From what you describe, you felt like it, you were going through the motions, that the minds had been made up, that there was more focus in your interview on the past than the future. That was my sentiment at the time, and it was probably uh, reflective of the line of questioning. As I alluded to in the book, the who was present in the room and, and so forth. But that's fine, and that's the prerogative of, of the organisation. You enter those processes uh, in order to to get an answer. and. Uh, the answer, the decision was made and, and we carry on. Was it a no-brainer, I guess, in the circumstances as a challenge? Not unusual for uh, all black prospects to have international uh, coaching experience. Far from it. Graham Henry's another example. Warren Gatlin's another who's uh, always been seen as in the frame, who, who, who's gone and done that. It's a different, was it a different matter psychologically or culturally yeah. to go coach the Wallabies? Absolutely. I mean, it was a huge step. And while I'd made the decision, I was ready for it. A fresh challenge, and I probably also consciously made the decision that I wanted it to be at the international level. You know, I'd been 12 years in, at the Super Rugby level, so I was ready for it. And once I made that conscious decision, very excited about about that prospect. Um, did, but you, yeah, did you get to, a bit to, of hell to, to go you... to Australia? That's that's, <laughs> uh, that's the ultimate challenge, I guess. Um, but it really was you know, everything that I'd hoped for. Um, Obviously, it was never going to be easy, uh, just a simple dynamic that, you know, that they're our, our historical rival, you know, they're our closest neighbour who, who we had so much history with. Um, but, it, it, yeah, aside from that, it, it was exactly what I anticipated it would be. It wasn't a decision that was made lightly. You know, I, I took the counsel of a lot of people, including John Wright, who had done something similar and he had uh, coached India at cricket, and, and uh, so I put the questions in, you know, tell me about the, uh, the emotional side of it when you line up against your, your nation of birth. And his response, I guess, sort of settled my anxieties to some extent, insofar as he said it was like competing against your brother on the, on the back wall in the backyard, and that was something I'd done the last time I've, and, and just understood intimately, uh, and it was exactly what I was looking for. And then there's, I guess, to fast forward to, to the end, I guess the one thing that probably grated and probably gave the constant source of encouragement to was the fact that I was a Kiwi, to, to those that, that weren't comfortable with the fit, was the fact that I was a Kiwi. So you know, while we achieved a lot, and we did achieve a lot in our time, and we went from fifth to, to third for three years in succession, I'm uh, sorry, to second for three years in succession, in succession, we were third for a couple of years, and then we went, Second for the next three, um, including winning a Tri Nations and you know four years out of five, uh, the Nelson Mandela Trophy over South Africa, five five tests in a row against the French, eight in a row against the Welsh. We did a lot, one on the high belt, first time in 47 years. But for all of that, because we couldn't consistently beat the All Blacks, and the fact that I was a Kiwi was probably a, a constant reminder of that fact. Uh, that was the one thing that did, that never really sat well with, with those who sought to divide. Robbie Deans talking to Night to Noon's Catherine Ryan. The All-Whites career of defender Ben Sigmund is over, with Sigmund announcing this week that he's retiring from international football. 
Phoenix stalwart played 32 times for his country over a period of 14 years. Sigmund's last outing with the All-Whites was last month when they went to Doha and Tashkent. He told Barry Guy that family is one of the main reasons for his decision. Originally I was actually you know, spoken to Anthony Hudson about staying on a little bit longer and, and helping the, the young players come through a bit longer. But, uh, you know, being we were, I was away for, you know, three weeks in the end because we were we were doing uh, All Whites and Phoenix duty at the same time. So, um, you know, it was a long trip away, three weeks, and, you know, it was too long for me. And I just missed the family too much. And, you know, it was... Uh, it was just, yeah, just too much for me, and I'd, you know, been doing it now for eight years, and, you know, I just felt the time was right, and, you know, secondly, you know, I think in terms of a football thing, you know, being away with all the boys, you know, they were speaking about, you know, the next four years and and their goals of reaching, you know, Russia for the World Cup in 2018, and, you know, realistically, well, pretty much, I know there's no chance I'm going to make that, so I kind of feel like it's, it's, uh, you got to give. The next person that's coming in, the best chance to, you know, play international football as much as they can before they step on those big stages because it's, it's certainly a tough ask and, you know, hopefully they can prepare the best they can and uh, and, and make, you know, make their goal of, of reaching the World Cup at Russia. Yeah, you know, there's all sorts of things that we know about families and that sort of thing, but also I think you pointed out that, uh, you know, you didn't get on the field in Tashkent and so, um, you, you know, I suppose if you're not playing it makes it you know, twice as difficult. Oh, it certainly is, you know, and and, and that's just, um, you know, it's always going to be my DNA that I want to be playing, you know, but I also respect the fact that, um, you know, Anthony's got, um, you know, his vision of how he sees things and what he wants to do with the team, That and I, ha- I don't have a problem with that. Um, but it certainly is a, a long way to go. You know, you're travelling pretty much over the other side of the world, and um, to sit on the bench and not come on, it, it's, you know, it's it's tough. It's a very tough thing to do. You know, you know, it was also very tough on me in terms of the, um, you know, the jet lag. You know, it was a long way to go, and you know, knock the body around. And I just kind of feel, you know, that it, it, it certainly, you know, as you do get older, it takes its toll. And um, I just feel that I can sort of use that energy and, uh, you know, and, and sort of focus on my club football with the Phoenix because, you know, I still feel that my body's looking after me, and I can. You know, at least play another, you know, two to three years, I hope, and you know that that that'll be the vision and and the goal for me over the next couple of years to get through to that. Uh, you're 33, but um, it makes us perhaps all feel old that you debuted in 2000. Man, that's a long time ago. Yeah, yeah, I sort of managed to get a, an early cap in when I was 18, and then I kind of, uh, you know, didn't 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 play for about five or six years, and then. Sort of came leaping back onto the scene again in about 2007. So, from 2007, it's just been a dream run and a dream career. And I, I honestly couldn't ask for anything more. It's just I've, I've reached so much more than I ever thought I would, and I'm very proud of those achievements. Uh, do you think that break perhaps, uh, you know, has helped your career? Oh, it certainly did. I think it was just an immaturity thing. I was just a young fella and. Still probably, you know, trying to go out with my mates and have a good time, but then, you know, I kind of reached to a certain level and age and realised that, um, you know, I didn't want to be that guy sort of standing around in the pub with my mates saying, oh, I could have been could have been an all-white and I could have played pro and I could have done this. I, I actually can now sit there and have a beer with my mates and say I did it and I achieved it and um, and I'm still achieving it. And, and to be honest, uh, that, that's something that I, I'm, I'm actually really proud of and, and you know, you don't. I don't sort of often sort of speak about it, but 
you know, when you actually do hang the, you know, the retire from the New Zealand stuff, you you, you can actually say you you know you are very very proud of what I've achieved. Uh, and in defence is possibly one of the uh, areas where New Zealand. Uh football has some depth there you know there's plenty of international experience it's uh you know you've been a, a good part of that for a while yeah yeah exactly and, and to be honest that's probably another reason why i've decided that it's time now you know there's, there's winston reeds coming through and man what a player he is and he's he's going to be a fantastic leader for the country andrew durante is a great captain for the phoenix and um he, he's doing fantastically well for new zealand and then you know, whether Tommy Smith comes back, I'm not sure, but what another great player he is. And then Michael Boxall's coming through, and, you know, he's been waiting there for a while, you know, for me, um, probably to step aside. And, you know, what what better opportunity now for him to kick on and, and cement himself in the all-whites because, uh, you know, he's a great player. Uh, the 2010 World Cup wasn't, um, you know, uh, a good one for you as, as far as being on the field, but getting there was one of the highlights? A hundred percent, absolute, uh, unbelievable lifetime um, experience, and just the best moment of one of my of my football career. Really, you know, qualifying against Bahrain here in Wellington with my family and friends in front of me was just off the chain. Pretty much, it was just amazing, and I've still got the photos in my in my hallway, and I go down there and I relive that moment all the time, and I certainly won't be forgetting that in a hurry. Uh, you know the the international uh, play uh, during a season's not huge, but do you think your decision will help you at all with the Phoenix? Yeah, I think so. You know, I look at the next couple of months, and we've got uh, the All Whites will be away in November, and we miss a game. You know, if I was away for the New Zealand team, I'd miss a game for the Phoenix, and you know that that would mean that Durante. Michael Boxer and myself are all away and, and that would pretty much leave the Phoenix with no central defenders so straight away you know you, you can say that uh, I'll be there for that game and you know I think any miracle will be happy with that and it just means we don't have to go out and buy you know other players um, to cover that position so you know and, and hopefully that will sort of as I say give me a little bit more um, opportunity to you know get another year or two under my belt at the Phoenix because I still love still love playing for them and I still as I say feel that I can uh, offer them something and uh, the all whites you know, starting another cycle uh, towards the world cup how what's, what situation are they in yeah well they're in a good spot you know I think you know for me after going away with Anthony Hudson I think he's just a fantastic coach he's going to bring so much to this team and he's got a great vision and I really enjoyed working with him to be honest I thought he was fantastic and you know, he, he sort of come in and he said, like, I don't make no apologies. I, I, I want to get to the World Cup, and what a great thing to hear from 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 your coach. So, um, I think they're in really good stead in terms of a, a national coach and pretty much uh, a New Zealand coach because I think he's going to pretty much oversee pretty much all of New Zealand uh, football in New Zealand, which I think is great. And then Andy Martin's obviously come in as a CEO, and he's I think he's going to do really good things as well. So. New Zealand football are in a, a good spot, spot at the moment and now they've just got to get that national team in good stead and you know get them ready for, for trying to qualify for firstly Confederation Cup and then secondly uh, the World Cup and you know hope, hopefully I can watch from the TV and, and, and sort of urge them on and if they need me in any space in terms of uh, mentoring, motivation, whatever it might be, I'm, I'm always going to be there for them. Ben Sigmund talking to Barry Guy.
The former Black Caps cricketer Jeetan Patel's on his way home after a successful season playing county cricket in England. The Wellington off-spinner was named the most valuable player of the year by England's Professional Cricketers Association. Patel took 107 wickets in all competitions as Warwickshire finished second in the championship, reached the one-day cup final and won the 2020 competition. The 34-year-old told Barry Guy he's delighted with his award. I think it's a big pat on the back, mate. Um, you know, it's been a long slog over here. It's a long county season with a lot of games. But, um, you know, I think it's a pat on the back for the fact that it's just a consistent performing performance all the way through. You know, I mean, we, I wouldn't be able to get there without us doing, doing as well as we did. And you're playing in all three forms of the game? Yes, mate. Played in the four-day stuff, the one-day stuff and the T20 comp. Uh, we finished second in the four-day competition, second in the one-days, and we won the 2020 competition. So, therefore, you know... It just shows that we got we went a long way in all, all the tournaments, and therefore you had to contribute at, at certain times. Man, you must have bowled a few overs. Uh, yeah, bowled a lot of overs. Yeah, but I mean that's my job, and that's what I do. I think our spinners are generally required to bowl a lot of overs, and we we tend to get better the more and more we do. And I certainly do feel like that. So I'm glad I, I got it under the waist, so I can do the same for Wellington again. I hope. So you've obviously uh, you know you've been there for a few years now, but you've obviously taken to the English game and the conditions and that sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's still the same whole game as cricket, but uh, you know, we just play a lot more over here, and it's more day in day out as opposed as it probably is back home. You know, we tend to do a lot more travelling uh, back in New Zealand. You know, most of our travel is to our drives. And, uh, we we just we tend to play a lot more cricket here, and it just gets busy. We we just stay on the park and we keep playing, and that suits me because that's all I've wanted to do, and now's my opportunity to do it. And for someone like you, this is it sort of uh, well, not the ultimate, but um, you know, to be playing supposedly in the home of cricket and uh, full time and making a living is is, is that sort of um, the ideal thing for you? Oh yeah, I mean, I love playing the game, and I'm lucky enough to get paid to do it. So, you know, being over here as a professional is um, is very important to me, and I'm very happy that I've got that opportunity. Uh, I'm told months of the year is not easy to play, but uh, we've just got to keep doing it. You know, you're a long time retired, so when you've got an opportunity, you've got to look to take uh, to cash in when you can. And right now is my seems to be my opportunity. You know, I never know what's going to happen next week, and you know I could get injured and never bowl again. But uh, fingers crossed, it doesn't happen. So while, while I've got an opportunity, I'm really enjoying what I'm doing here. So you come back to Wellington, do you? Do you get a chance to have a rest? Uh, a couple of weeks off. You know, fortunately, I've been given a a couple of weeks grace before we start getting back into it again. But we start at the end of the end of the month with the well end of October for the the Plunkett Shield uh, for Wellington. We play Canterbury down at Hagley Oval, which is which will be exciting as a new ground. But um, you know, two weeks is probably enough for me before I start to get bored of doing nothing again. So as long as we can get outside and train, you know, I'm fizzing to be back with the boys. Do you ever still think about uh, playing for New Zealand again? Yes, of course, do mate. I'd love to play for New Zealand. Obviously, I turned down an opportunity at the start of the year, which may may have been seen as as the wrong thing to do. But for me personally, at the time, it was perfect. I had to, I had to make that choice, and you know, I'd love to play for New Zealand again, whether it be Test cricket, twenty twenty, or, or one days, whatever it is. But that's not my decision to make. I've just got to keep churning up performances, and if if I can keep doing that, then. Never know that hopefully they'll come knocking again. And so, do you think um, you know you're in consideration, say, for the World Cup squad? Oh, look, mate, that's, that's out of my jurisdiction in terms of commenting on that. You know, I, I just do what I do, and if it's if it tends to be the right time for them and right time for me, let's let's get on with it. But uh, you know, they've got Danny Vittori coming back, you got Nathan McCallum, and you've got 
Estonius, who's bowling very well with a white ball as well. So, you know, I mean, if there's an opportunity, great. But I also think that the guys that are established certainly deserve their opportunities. That's Jeetan Patel talking to Barry Guy. And that brings us to the end of Extra Time for another week. Remember, you can email us at sport at radionz.co.nz with any feedback. On behalf of the Extra Time team, I'm Stephen Hewson. Bye for now. Tired of ads barging into your favourite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.